Welcome to another episode of No More Wahala. Inshallah. And for those of us that don't take their shoes off before coming indoors, and I mean outdoor shoes, wearing them indoors, you see the word outdoors is different from indoors, we should have different shoes, and the rest of us colonized by them and point actually. If you're a BIPOC person wearing your outdoor shoes inside, your ancestors are rolling. They're rolling all over the place, just so you know. So that means no more trouble, God willing. This is the podcast where two BIPOC girls laugh, cry, and rant about ethnics just can't seem to catch a break. In this episode, we are discussing the uncomfortable and hard-to-navigate position patriarchy and white supremacy put women of colour in. And for those people in the back, we say this every single time. You can say it with me if you like. Sing it in your car, sing it in your room, sing it in your bathroom. I don't know what you listen to us, but just sing it with me. Remember, these are our opinions and our opinions alone. Ours. Now that that's been said, we're hoping for no more wahala. Inshallah. Well, hello, Aya. How are you doing? Any wahala to report today? Hello. Um, I'm not too bad. I am tired though, but that's actually my fault because I spent like two consecutive two consecutive nights um, past midnight because my book was really good. <laughs> so it's literally my fault. I was like, I'm like reading. I'm like, I should go to bed, but also I want to read the next chapter. So just yeah. you know reading lives <laughs> but yes um but no no more no more highlight in the in an intense deep way so just my own my own silliness for like not going to bed early um but what are we talking about today Teresha? we are talking about quite a lot of things it's a very intersectional little piece yes. here yes it is i guess to put it simply we're having a chat about how the white supremacist, white supremacist agenda, that's white supremacy right there, not being able <laughs> to pronounce it, it's a tongue twister. Yeah. Um, I'm joking for tax reasons and legal reasons <laughs> and all of the reasons, I am joking. Um, well, <laughs> <laughs> allegedly, um, it is white supremacy. Um, no, so I'm talking, we're talking about how simply like stereotypes and criticisms and being unable to, how all that impacts how people are able to, particularly women, people of color that are women, or identify as women, are able to speak out about issues that are not necessarily linked to their race or their ethnicity, um, that inadvertently become linked to their race and ethnicity because of racism. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I, what, what are your thoughts on that very complicated topic I've just put forward? Uh, so many things. Uh, we'll probably just give a quick definition, the most basic thing ever. Patriarchy, mm-hmm. male dominance, um, white supremacy, white people dominance, if you will, um, racism. I think honestly, like episode one, we really go delve into like all of the systems. So like, check that out. I guess if you really if you kind of want more background to like what we mean when we throw around words such as like patriarchy or intersectionality or like the white supremacist, um, white supremacy more generally. Um, yeah, this is, oh God, this is such a big topic. And I mean, it's both a big topic and also maybe niche. I don't know. I feel like it's both at the same time. Like. Oh, there's so many things. I think one thing I also want to say as well is like, we are talking about, we're going to like talk about quite like our experiences within the West and like what it means to be a woman of color within the West. 
uh, because it's too much to talk about patriarchy in the rest of the world, especially yeah. when, like, um, you know, at least for me, I have not lived, I have not gr- grown up there. We have obviously our culture here in the diaspora, but that is different than actually being in different countries. So I'm definitely going to acknowledge and, like, it is absolutely, like, for the patriarchy, I, for me, I'm like, we live in a patriarchal, patriarchal world. I'm not going to be here all, like, Patriarch is just because of colonialism. No, don't believe it. Don't buy it. Patriarch existed beforehand. It's already existing in our countries and our cultures. But that is like to talk about patriarch in our countries or in our cultures is like, it would be a topic in itself that we may potentially do. It just requires a lot of nuance. Actually, I think this is very important because this episode will actually um, caveat and give context to the reason why those conversations require a lot of nuance and why it's actually quite dangerous to have these conversations without having that understanding of the context in which how our words will be perceived. I think one big definition I think uh, that we need to put forward first is, yeah, you can say something and mean something and have an intent behind your words, but the context um, that you and the person you are saying your words to uh, will change how those words are perceived and understood and um, how they exist. And then the person's the person who's receiving your words will also have their own personal context, which will then change how the words are perceived and understood. Because a lot of things we have. Okay, let's let's do a, a brief turn, tangent. a bit of a skirt away from. <laughs> thank you. That's the word I was. Saying. Not me going skirt instead of tangent. Oh my goodness. Such a Gen Z. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so um, yes, yeah, a brief tangent or skirt in other in the sources, you'll see that there go. too. <laughs> Um, we have words have uh, your denote like denotation and your connotation. So your denotation is essentially what it mean means, like what it it's what it means, what the word means according to the dictionary. Keep in mind that is influenced by the connotation of the majority. But we'll put that aside for a second. Your connotation is what that word means to you. So there are certain words that just mean things, but they may not mean nice things when you think about the history, about the yeah. all that sort of stuff. An example can be the word negro, right? Or negro. Is it, it means black in, in I think, Spanish. Um, is it French? French. French. I, I do French. I should know this. Uh, in French. Uh, no, sorry, not French. French is noir. Um, negro is uh, Spanish. So the word negro means black in Spanish. Like it's just the color black. But the, if you were to go to America, change the accent slightly, change the context and say negro, you're about to start a war <laughs> essentially you will be beat up if you're a white person or not yeah. a black person um because of all the context and how those people if you're saying towards a black person how uh their personal context changes the connotation of the word although the word means black in spanish the connotation the history of sociocultural context changes what that word is perceived as and understood as and that can extend further than just words into entire ideas and concepts uh particularly when your community is has a particular view of a group of people. When you say something, sometimes it's hard for people. That's actually being quite kind. To say sometimes it's hard for people. People yeah. will conflate yeah. unrelated um, identities and say that's the reason for said problem, rather yes. than going this identity has nothing to do with said problem. You know, you can be a bad person doesn't have anything to do with your race or ethnicity. Yes, you can yes. just be a bad person in isolation. That is totally yeah. fine. Well, not fine. Don't be a bad person. That is something that totally happens. But that is still like everyone can be a bad person. It's not to do with their race. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. And I think like that's kind of this episode is essentially like one big caveat before we. If, <laughs> like I definitely think um, probably next season or we'll dive into um, 
or just an episode in the future about like patriarchy in our own cultures because that is something to talk about. But you do, it's like there's no way for the reason why that conversation is difficult to have is what we're kind of like discussing right now. Like, why is it difficult to have these conversations? Is because women of color are just put into a very tricky position <laughs> within mm-hmm. the West. And um, one time I went to like this in conversation with Mona Al Fahawi, who is an Egyptian. American, I believe, and also British feminist. Um, she's mm-hmm. Egyptian originally, but has lived in like both Britain and America, currently like, resides in America. And so she um, uh, just, I think she's great. Like, I think a lot of her points, it was really great to listen to her and like realize that I think when I first listened to her, I was like, like obviously like intersectionality, and I like seek out intersectional feminists, but like it was great to see someone who was also like Arab and like understood that like Middle East and North African context and like her feminism was kind of born from that. And I'm just mm. like, ah, oh, like I didn't realize like how non like how like western some of my feminism was in the sense of like people i was seeking out because they're still talking about their feminism within a western context anyway so she's great go look into her other stuff but one thing she talked about that i was like oh and like it's just stuck with me is she talks about women of color being stuck between a rock and a hard place so the rock is you know the patriarchy within your own culture you know all like as we said like we live in a patriarchal world so the patriarchy within your own culture however that's manifesting whether it be you know women have to be housewives women have to be submissive weak generally um, valuing male power, et cetera. And then um, the hard place being the fact that white supremacists, you know, they suck. They don't like you. <laughs> that was such a, a like a under, uh, un, what is it? Like an anticlimactic way of saying that. But like, obviously white supremacy doesn't care for you either because you're still a person of color. But yeah. like both, to so both sides kind of are like, you suck. <laughs> both sides don't like you, right? And like both sides have, are attacking you in different ways, whether it be like because you're a woman or because, um, you're a person of color. So both sides, you have like this um, oppression coming from both sides. But like to criticize either is almost like difficult because you, if you criticize patriarchy within your own country, in your own culture, well, then the white supremacists are like, see, like this is why like we should restrict immigration. This is why we should, um, people of color suck more generally, especially like BIPOC men, like refuse like a lot of stereotypes, a lot of, and not just stereotypes, but like general, you know, imp- um, impacts policies. And so, but they don't care about you as like a human being. They don't care about you because you're still a person of color. But then if you, so if you don't talk about the patriarchy and you like criticize, like, like still, you know, you should criticize whiteness and all of that, your, your culture is still like the patriarchal culture is still like, well, you're, they're still going to oppress you in like a patriarchal sense. So you're stuck between these two sets that are like, we neither want you. And if, if you start quote unquote side with any of them, you're still, you're not going to side that no one is going to fully like take you in because they both uh, have like they still want to oppress both of you so basically you were just put in this position you're like what do I do like there's no way and that's why we're kind of having this conversation is that like we want to talk about you know eventually we'll talk about patriarchy within our own culture in our own countries but like there's no way to talk about that without acknowledging the fact that like the white like white supremacists what is that agenda is that they will co-opt what we say they will co-opt it for their own agenda which is to you know to continue with their policies. And if, I think we can really talk about this in terms of anti-refugee and anti-immigration policies. I think that comes really salient. Yes. Um, Teresha. Yeah, no, I definitely okay? agree. No, I definitely agree like, with everything you've said. So the West predicates itself on this idea of freedom of speech, being able to speak for yourself and speak for your rights and protest and all that sort of stuff. Like that's one of the big things the West likes to um, purport as like, this is why you want to come here. This is why you want to be us because we got democracy but then don't include all the little asterisks and caveats, um, terms and conditions under it, which is like, well, it, it's not as if you can say something and it just sits in the nether sphere. It's very much 
a living thing, everything that you say, and a living thing that will interact with the context, as I was saying before, it'll inter- interact with the context in which you live in. And if the context is inherently, you know, racist, it's inherently misogynistic, it's going to basically power up on those different levels um, and attack that, um, the intersectionality, I guess, is what is really just powering up this this discrimination and forces people to become silenced, almost like a very heavy cloak that you have to wear because the moment you say something, you have so many more responsibilities as a woman of color to keep in mind the protection of your family, the protection of your people, as well as the protection of your gender or gender identity um, in making the decision about whether or not you should say something, right? Particularly if you are the a significant minority, you feel as though you cannot say something because of the weight that you get from this critic, like the, the, of them co-opting your criticisms towards their own agenda. And whether or not they do it implicitly, explicitly, intentionally, unintentionally, who knows? And honestly, who cares? At this point, the intention doesn't even matter. But the inability for people to separate different identities from actions and go, this is a person that has done a bad thing um, is a problem. And what makes it even worse is that they, they say these things and make these connections that don't actually have any statistical evidence, even to go into the language of the West, which is all about numbers and facts and stuff, not really focusing on feelings. Mm-hmm. If you actually look at the numbers and the facts, it doesn't actually line up. What ends up happening is that one bad person, when you're a person of color, ends up coloring all the people of color of that group. You know as much as like it's so annoying you know i i know a lot of nigerian doctors how come the stereotype isn't nigerians are doctors how come it's you know africans are dangerous africans are this blacks are thugs blacks are gonna hurt you they're stupid they're violent not look at how many you know black sports stars we have they're very you know look at their athleticism that could be the good thing that's you know we make the stereotype stereotype about i understand that it's it's not great for asian people particularly like east asian people to have the whole math stereotype but i can assure you if we're picking stereotypes i would much prefer that i'm good at maths than to be that i'm going to kill you or hurt you and then inadvertently have violence upon me because of that um, and again, like this is not me saying that it's a good stereotype. There's no such thing as a good stereotype. Everyone is unique, but because of those, the inability to come like, and also like, even to start math, math one for a second, again, it's not something that is statistically provable, or, um, if it is showing that the numbers are pushing that way, look at the education system in China that does focus more on those sort of skills and maintaining that the West is particularly bad at science and maths. So everybody's a lot better at maths than you. You're particularly bad, the West, Australia, America. Okay, you're, you're particularly bad at science. So when anybody else is better than you, it, why isn't Sweden that they're good at school? Like they are. They're really Sweden and Norway and all those Scandinavian countries are really good at school. But that's not their stereotype. They, they get to be individual free thinkers, and everyone's an individual person that has their own identity. But no, we have to keep assigning things like that. And that is a, a, a tangent to basically say then if you say something wrong or you say something is wrong, rather, you have to think about the fact whether or not that thing you've said is wrong that is about a small group of people in your community, which you are not connecting to the race or to the ethnicity or to the religion or whatever. People are going to then um, falsely connect that, and that's on you. That is your fault now for them connecting that. You should not have said anything. And that is the stress and the the hard place in which women of color are put in is that you can't go, oh, I was attacked or whatever, or I was hurt, I was harassed, blah. 
You can't say that about your group of people because then you always say, if you say it to the wrong people, people then go, see, this is what I was saying about blank people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. And it comes down to, I mean, I feel like we talked about this in um, last episode about protests and stuff. It's like the idea that because we are seen, it always comes back because we're seen as a monolith, like anything that one person does is suddenly everything. And so like that racialization is that whole group, like how you said, like how one, the actions of one colors everything. This comes down, like this concept just like trickles down to literally everything is really it comes down to this it's like people are still individual like some people do awful things and like one thing i always like kind of want to point out is the fact that like the west also has patriarchy like we've been seeing in australia we've been seeing a lot of protests this year regarding sexual assault within parliament like literally our highest power so-called democratic institution of freedom etc is having all of these um, allegations and all trying to do they've been like let's do training i'm like you're, you're literally an adult how do you not know this so it's like it's really frustrating that like one thing that i often when i when i do have these discussions which is very rare um because like i don't I, rare, very rare in terms of like with white people i would rather talk with other fellow women of color about this um is also bringing, pointing out the fact that like yeah patriarchy was also exists in your countries but you don't go like every white man is like terrible and is going to like obviously now we have like the joke or like white men like white like um like men are trash and men suck but like not in a tangible like literal policy will um you know harm them and like harm their like like livelihoods etc like we don't have that to the extent of like um when it comes to sort of racism and fueling anti-refugee and anti-immigration policies that has been sort of like a massive wave basically as i'd say post 9-11 as we tied immigration with um national security like when you talk about these issues, you are put in this tricky position of because you you know that like you can't just talk about it because they're not going to see ever see you in isolation. They're going to see you as like oh like this person that's done X terrible thing is now representative of everyone. And the reason why I really like I bring this up is because we have like a really clear example of this. We have many clear examples of this. Um, but I'm gonna like I remember reading across kind of coming across this in one of my I took a refugee politics class last year and I was like. This is just awful. So, yeah, basically in January of 2016, there was a series of sexual assaults. Well, actually during the new year of, so basically the end of 2015 in Cologne in Germany, um, a series of sexual assaults around like New Year's festivals. And they were all sort of like perpetrated by, I mean, they were categorized as like North African of Middle Eastern appearance and kind of like therefore put as like Muslim slash Arab slash like asylum seekers or refugees so kind of just lumped in like who they actually were may have been different but because they were all like had that vibe they were like oh like uh tan skin or like brown skin or black or and like with a beard they're like that's it immediately a refugee when they literally could have been like um grown up in germany um but that's a whole other thing we know in terms of how racialization i don't feel like i need to say this but i will say it is obviously awful that that happened but, you know, like instead of being kind of like this more widespread idea of like the fact that patriarchy, you know, I don't know about how Germany is in terms of their own laws of consent and sexual assault. And if they have great, you know, good laws, I know Australia, we could, you know, as I mentioned before, we are, we are having like um, more like protests about the fact that um, our laws are not that great. So, you know, like that is instead of having sort of like, and being like this larger discussion of like, what can we do in this continuing um, harm inflicted upon women. It was, of course, racialized uh, to be that like refugee men, migrant men, immigrant men, you know, the whole shebang of everything. And, you know, we should also note this is 2015, 2016, when it's like the peak of the European refugee crisis. So, of course, like this sort of fear of like the fact that they're having an influx of refugees, people seeking asylum because everything happens in Syria. And so 
instead of it being kind of like, yeah, so it becomes conflated with all of that. And we have this really like this example that I just feel like is so emblematic of what we're trying to talk about. So basically there's this French satirical uh, magazine that released this cartoon. And it was basically, I should caveat before I speak about the cartoon, um, people might know in 2015, there was um, the famous sort of uh, photo of Alain Kodou, who was a three-year-old Syrian Kurdish boy who got washed up on the Mediterranean Sea. And um, obviously he had died and it became like this massive sort of to show like it's a humanitarian disaster. I would also argue it's not just a humanitarian disaster, it was a political disaster, but that's a whole other rant. Um, so he, you know, very iconic photo, awful, um, to show like how many deaths at sea that were happening in the tragedy. And so basically this magazine uh, took this photo and like I made it into a cartoon and was basically like, what would have happened to little Ayan Alan if he grew up? And then basically had this photo of like very sort of caricature like men in like like in a very sort of like the caricature of like sort of um like a monkey face basically putting their hands at like and like a woman is running as like they were going to like rope her essentially and at the bottom it's like and the, you know the cartoon answers itself a groper of woman in germany let's just like <laughs> it's leave just that there, um, yeah. to sink in like they literally were basically like he like this child like three-year-old child would have grown up to be a group of women, a sexual assaulter, a rapist. And so I will say that some people say that this is satire. And then some people- We're, We can like, have a whole episode wait. about comedy and what is not comedy, because exactly. that's a whole thing in itself. I think it's also this, what really throws me, or not even throws me, I'm not even surprised by this anymore. It's yeah. like, okay, let me, give you an, let me give you an analogy. I don't need to give you an analogy, because you understand, but let me give the listeners an analogy if, you, if you're not truly understanding what the issue is here. Let's say you don't like somebody, right? You don't like them at all. They're annoying. They're rude, whatever. Anything that person does, whether it is true or not, you'd be like, oh, see, I told you because they're not nice. They'd be breathing funny. I'm like, mm, see, they'd be breathing. They breathe funky. Oh, I don't like how they breathe. And that's just natural as a human being to be like, oh, I don't like this person. I'm not saying it's right. It's not mature. It's not someone that's showing growth or empathy or complexity of human beings, but it's something that people do. We hold grudges and we go, anything that person does, we'll go, oh, see that, I told you. Even if like they saved, I don't know, 300 children, right? From a burning building. They forgot to pay, they, they didn't pay their parking ticket. But ah, see, I told you, I always knew it was in them. I, I hate this person, everything bad that they do is just gonna keep on compounding. Now imagine that on the race, on the um, scale of race or the scale of ethnicity or the scale of gender where, just because they already don't like these refugees. They already find them scary. They find that the differences in culture a problem. So the moment they do something wrong, they're just going to attribute it to their culture, their race, their ethnicity, which it, even if it's not connected in the slightest, even if these people do wonderful things and do drive the economy and, you know, build businesses that are good for the community, all that sort of stuff. They're not going to put that. They couldn't, why didn't they put, oh, what could he have become? He could have become a business owner who helped his community. They didn't put that, you know, they are literally ascribing these horrible and negative stereotypes that they've come up with in their own head to make themselves mad to a three-year-old, Yeah, a three-year-old. It's so, it's so disgusting. And so we, we, we will have like the episode about like satire and comedy and et cetera, what that means. But like, even some of the people that have said, oh, it's satire, they also recognize the fact that it is so tasteless to, quote unquote, I, don't, I personally don't see that satire, but like, if you will put it as that, but so tasteless to root your com quote unquote comedy or satire within the pain 
of not just that person's family, but like literally like thousands of others who have had relatives that have died in that way. Like it is awful. Like in that time to have done that and any time um, to use such like, like he was literally three, like three years old. Like, I think it's so, it's such a, like an emblematic example of like what we're talking about. Like we're not talking yet when, and when, and that's why I wanted to bring it up because it's, it really shows like this idea of like how, like when we, when we talk about the fact that like we can't, criticize patriarchy because of the white supremacist agenda, this is a really clear example. Like it fuels anti-refugee, anti-immigration policies and impacts like literally a child that like who could have grown up to be amazing. And like those people, like he will like literally his family will like they will forever mourn his loss and they will that grief like in their life, like what it means to actually like lose a child. And they're out there using this as a way. And like it goes into like the dehumanization as well. Like the, for me, I'm like, how could you say that of someone like you <laughs> i could talk about this a whole lot but um, yeah what it's I will also say, i just yeah. wanted to put as well is that um if a white child oh. had, had, had no one would no be one. saying that if a white boy had grown, and the thing is a lot of sexual assaults and sexual harassments are perpetrated by white men as well as yeah. like it's just men in general you know like it's, the common factor is not the race the common yeah. factor is the maleness yeah. Um, because of the of ma- or toxic masculinity, rather, because of the way society is structured in a lot of different sides, including the West, mm-hmm. like they cannot run away from that fact that it is structured in such a way that sees women as less than or um, pieces of meat to be used. Uh, sorry to be as you know uh, blunt as that. Mm-hmm. It's not that. That's the common factor. Toxic masculinity is the common factor, not. The race of that person. So if a, if a little white child had you know come up on the beach, that we wouldn't be saying, oh, I bet he's going to be a rapist. I mean, some of those really different and you know feminist might because they that's a whole thing in itself. Yeah. But um, <laughs> most people yeah. you, no. won't, you wouldn't see magazines doing that because no. that is inappropriate. Because yeah. how do you know that? That's really bad. A child has just died. But yeah. when it becomes a um, refugee child or someone from from a group or minority that is already vilified. For the, for the very fact that they exist in a space that does not want them to, that becomes okay and that becomes satire rather than just being incredibly crude and distasteful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and that's always the thing. It's like, that's what, like, that's what we're kind of trying to get at is the fact that, like, we cannot talk about patriarchy without it being co-opted. I think that essentially that's really the bottom line um, because then it suddenly becomes the common factor of race and not, as you're saying, patriarchy and toxic masculinity. Like, let's have nuanced conversations about that. Let's have conversations about how it manifests in different cultures and different contexts when, for example, you know, there is not peace and there is, you're in a war, there's a lot of corruption. Like, what does that mean for the people there and how does that impact them? Which is why I love listening to Mona Al-Kahawi and how she ties her feminism into, like, larger ideas of revolution and, like, of the state and those other sort of ideas because, like, we could have great, and we will eventually have a conversation about this, great nuanced conversations about how it manifests differently but still is still like fundamentally toxic, um, toxic masculinity and the patriarchy. And yet instead you just have um, it being co-opted as like, oh, that's why we can't have X, Y, Z here. They're just going to protect our woman. And it's funny because like, it's even sexist in itself, right? This concept that like white men are going to protect their white women. It's like, but you also do this to your white woman. Yeah. Too. Like, it's not and like also stop infantilizing. Yes, yeah, stop, stop yeah. infantilizing them. Exactly, exactly. Um, it's funny because, like, it's not as if they put men there. They were like, oh, these refugees are going to hurt our women, but not us because we're strong. 
we're yeah. not afraid of it. It's like, well, if you're truly afraid, put yourself in there too. Look at the exactly. intersection of your silliness, there's intersectionally whole, silliness. Like, even it's funny because like, yeah, it's like it's already seconds in itself, like the whole thing. And like, but then they're putting it on as like, oh, like that's them as like, you know, um, out of Middle East and North African, not um, them as white um, who also commit these sort of these crimes. Yeah. So I would say um, that was a, a big discussion about all of that, but we will be back uh, after we take a break. And we're back. And I know we talked about this or touched on it briefly when I was talking about silence, but let's just go into why this, it's just, it's, it's a mess. All of it's a mess in the sense that this co-opting of agendas means that a lot of really horrible things get swept under the rug in migrant communities, immigrant communities, minority communities under the idea that if we say something, then they're going to use it against us. And then the issue can't be dealt with, you know, and that's, seriously a problem because then if you pretend the problem isn't there you hide it or you do all you can to make sure that nobody sees it i mean look at rich white people about keeping up appearances and how horrible their family dynamics end up becoming imagine that an entire like ethnic group racial group you know refugee group size scale it's da- it's so so dangerous because yes people are garbage and yes people are not great and there may be a, an issue in, in systemic in the community that is not linked to their race right or linked to their ethnicity or linked to the fact that they came as a refugee but it could be linked to society or some of the things that have been allowed to let slide or linked to patriarchy in that particular community that does not speak on the people being garbage but more so that something needs to be done educating our children to be better they can't say anything anymore because it makes them, it breaks ranks yeah. in this idea of the war versus us and them. You can't start attacking your, your us because yeah. that becomes a new us and them. And then the two us's are now too small to fight the big them. If that makes any sense, yes. you can't keep breaking down your ranks and fact fracturing your ranks to make new factions. If you want to be able to fight against the bigger them. And that's one, uh, not the best way to view the situation, but it is how the situation currently is. But it means that you cannot say anything for the sake of not triggering factionalization. Yeah, yeah. And it becomes a very toxic place, right? Like, because you aren't able to, like, how can you really affect change within your own community? Like, when you're unable to um, actually speak more beyond about it because you know your words will be twisted. And, like, this is just a fact. Like, I just feel like people might be like, oh, no, it's not. It's like it will be. Like, we can just point out, like, say it. Like, it will be twisted. It will be used. And, like, I think both of our own positionalities as, like, when their stereotypes come towards, like, out of men or Muslim men, it's very much in, like, that violent, um, barbarian... Um, I would also say the same thing about African men as well. Like that, that's, that is our stereotype. It's not like other stereotypes in like different cultures where like some, like the stereotype is not as aggressive, but like, um, it's still terrible. As we said, like stereotypes are about across the board, but like, we know, like, I know, like when I talk about other men or Muslim men, like I am perpetrating like a whole, a whole mess, a whole mess since 9-11 and post when it comes to orientalist depictions of other men from like, you know, colonization when they, when we have the mandates and et cetera and beyond. And so, like, you know that, like, it's not just that one word, that one isolated instance you're, like, holding on. Like, there's all this other history, all this other, as you've mentioned, all the other context that comes along with it. And so what it leads to, like, I would just say, like, on an individual level, it leads for me, like, I don't ever talk to white people about this. Like, I could I, <laughs> barely, like, I, I think maybe, like, 
very few, like I would have to know, like I would have to trust them deeply, have like understand their politics, understand their history, understand all their standpoints on everything. But like, I would not at all broach this topic with like white people. It would be with fellow women and it would be particularly with fellow women of color too, because they would, they're the ones regardless of where they're from, they don't have to be Arab, they don't have to be Muslim, but like they're the ones who like would understand um, the mess that is, the particular position that we're in. And I can say like, yeah, like patriarchy exists in X community and blah, blah, and my community, blah, blah. And they, they'll get it. Like they'll understand it without being like, but that means, yeah, that's why we shouldn't have any items coming. And like, that's why they all suck. Like, it wouldn't be like that. It would just be like, yeah, that's actually like really, that's really crappy. Like, is there other things that you can do? Or like, you know, like that, you know, this is what some think we need to change, like raise our children better, et cetera. Like it would be taken as the nuanced, complex topic. It is. I totally agree. I don't do it either. Like particularly, so for example, one a really good example of this is um, Nigerian men. And sometimes I'll be, you know, ranting about Nigerian men by other Nigerian women friends in the sense that um, they can be quite often, like they don't know how to do anything for themselves and expect like women to do things for them. And like, that's just how sort of the culture has brought them up. But then why people will sometimes go like, oh, you know, that's so horrible. You know, are you okay? Are you, do you need to be saved? I'm like, oh, you know, your men do it too, just in a different way. Literally. <laughs> like, this is literally, this is why I think, this is why like I always like talk to, when I, whenever like I, if I, if I were in this conversation, like, um, or something like, I guess like my own stuff of like growing up, like, you know, being in that dual culture, like being like, yes, I can see like both in a way that I feel like maybe sometimes they can't always see because they always, because it's like that othering, right? So like putting on to you that foreigner, like, oh, it's not us. Like I remember this conversation my mom had with, you know, another of her suburban white ladies. <laughs> they always have fun times. And um, I think my mom was talking about how like, um, like, you know, like when you have your children, like as you get eight, you get older, like this idea that often you want like a daughter to like to help you to care for you right because like it's often the daughter that will and that sort of thing and um this white lady was like oh no that's just your culture <laughs> my mom was like um would you want to have your son or your daughter care for you or like is that what happens like do your son or your daughter care and she's like oh yeah it's like yeah because we don't raising boys to actually be like more caring it's not inherently like them but it's more like we don't raising them to like have this idea like you should care for your family you should care in like a nurturing sense where it's often seen as more like the breadwinner type yeah um and it's like she was just like like literally my mom i love my mom she's like flat out like look at you like are you sure is that how you would do it <laughs> is that <laughs> tell yeah. me don't lie to me <laughs> and like no it's so true it's so true and it, it's a lot of like this sort of white culture and you, everyone knows if you listen to the podcast, you know i use it very deliberately because it's not it means it's a culture in itself it's a whole thing in itself whiteness is a concept it's a whole thing in itself it's a construct it's you don't talk about your problems and then you're just like oh well you guys have that problem yeah so do you yeah yeah, yeah. so do you you just don't put words to it like the whole ma- like the male thing is a particular issue because yeah like you were saying patriarchy is universal it's very annoying but it's universal but then to have the audacity like well we don't do that here we have more freedoms for women whatever it's like okay so one end you have the you know stay home make a sandwich which a lot of gross white men say a lot and we, mm. we don't go oh, all white men blah, blah, right we don't do that and the other end where women are like you know i'm gonna be a career focused woman and no children and blah blah blah, blah it's still feeding into like using men as your standard i yes. don't think they truly yeah. understand that that yeah. you should just be able to do whatever you do and that's the only ever whatever you want to do and that's the only way to challenge this yeah but you're just not using you're not you're not articulating that your standard is still trying to either uh, submit to men or compete with men yeah it's like a be them rather than like breaking down this notion of like what it means to like work what it means mm-hmm. 
exactly a leader etc i mean i also think of like the dual burden like yes women go to work here but like many feminists i mean like the dual burden is like um oh my god i cannot remember her the feminist that created the term um this is really bad but she is like sort of i would say maybe like second wave feminist um Mm -hmm. sociology like there's like you can search up this term um the dual burden and like this idea that like w- like the workforce has not liber- liberated women, and we're talking about like in the West, like has not liberated women mm. because who still disproportionately carries the domestic labor? Women. And like, this is what we see across the board. We see this in Australia. You look at recent, like, I mean, we'll have ABS data coming out soon, but you look at 2016 ABS data. It's like men do like what, five hours a week? And women do like, almost like 12 or something on average. Like, and I still see some conversations I've had, like, you know, my, like, yeah, I have many conversations with interesting rights of urban women my mom's had. And like, you see the things that they talk about and you're like, wow, like, it's just like a different context, maybe like different words or different ways. And like, but it's still the same thing in both. And like, I would really wish that we could have like a more complex discussion about this. And also like, it's also like this idea of like unity, like you could unite so much women, which is why I guess intersectionality has grown. But I also think that like, intersectionality like I don't know how much it's really delved into this topic in itself like to really understand like what it means like when you are a woman of color and like how you have these different forces uh, um I don't know right have you seen discussion about that I feel like I've seen minimal if only coming from women of color I mean, as in like to come together yeah but to come together but to understand like the intersectionality is not just like differing oppressions but like how that yeah I mean I guess it is differing oppressions but, like how those differing oppressions manifest my I mean, ability to actually critique and engage in like activism about the patriarchy that's a whole <laughs> thing in itself girl like that's a whole thing in itself because yeah. western feminism is just oh let's put down the patriarchy but keep the racism and that yeah. means that women of color are inadvertently excluded because we don't right. want the racism all, all just like they don't see the racism they're like no like we're talking about gender here not race but like, yeah <laughs> I, I hate when they do that i'm like but it's different this is like our first episode in a series of many <laughs> episodes yeah. about oh. this topic um but yeah i guess like fundamentally what we are really trying to work with this is that like when we are going to have those other discussions like this will always be the big caveat and something that will always be on my mind i'm sure with you as well like that like that well, you have to always have a caveat when you talk about this because you know, like you know that it will be twisted and that it will be taken to see as reflection of or your community rather than just an ice, rather than just indicative of patriarchy and toxic masculinity. It's just, yeah, it, it makes me particularly uh, annoyed. I guess you could say, mm-hmm. in the sense that it's it's. We could be doing so much good change if we could just chat and just talk. Like one thing currently, mental health is a big thing in like African communities where we don't talk about it enough. Um, but it's also like an idea that we don't want to seem weak, but it's just harming ourselves. It's not helping anybody. It's just harming ourselves. And it's feeding in, like I was saying with the whole feminism thing, it's still feeding into challenge, like to trying to either be like them or compete with them rather than just existing. But then again, as just a quick point in the sense that um, we talked about it, I think we've kind of talked about it, but we, we mentioned a while ago this idea of a monolith. Mm. It's just that pressure that you know that everyone's going to see you as a monolith. So you're going to try and create the best monolith possible to try and be accepted and become a good immigrant, um, a good minority. But then 
that puts out. I mean, we're going to talk about burnout at some stage as well. Have we done that already? I can't remember. No. We talk too much. Um, <laughs> yeah, we talk so much. Somewhere along the way, we probably mentioned it, but yeah. we'll, do, we'll do a dedicated but episode. It's linked to burnout. It. It's linked to the um, angry woman stereotype. It's linked to the, you know, ex- black excellence, ethnic excellence. It's linked to so many of these things, including what we're talking about now, where it's like you have to be like or compete with to be tolerated, barely even accepted. And that means not talking about the problems because they don't talk about the problems. And we've seen how well it works for them, haven't we? Mm. Um, but yeah, it, it, it saddens me and just makes me a bit tired in the, in the whole situation. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think sometimes it almost feels like, yeah, I have to like bring up like, because I know I'm always like battling against a stereotype, right? Like a very big stereotype is like out of men and like some men are like patriarchal and stuff or like Islam is patriarchal. So I know I'm battling against like this stereotype. Mm. So sometimes I feel like, I almost like, I don't know if it's like a purpose thing, but like, I, it's just like literally my family and my life and how my parents are. And like, um, you know, alhamdulillah, thank God. Like um, I've been able to grow up in a family that's like not, um, you know, pushes down the patriarchy on me and stuff. And like, it's been quite non-gendered in terms of like how we're raised and stuff. But sometimes it feels like, I know when I say it, it's like people are like, oh my God, so shukuth. Like, eh. You know, your brother does house chores, like does domestic, you know, chores. And I'm like, yes, he likes to cook his breakfast and does a bunch of other things. But like, I know I'm battling against like this, like. You're, you're battling through two walls instead of one. Exactly. Yes. And that's what it is. Right. Yeah. Because like you have like them being like a male and then you have them being out of a Muslim. Like you have mm. like those walls of like, um, and it's annoying. It's like, yeah, because it, it's like just me being honest about like what my life is. But like sometimes I just like, kind of feel like you were like picking a certain part because you know that if you do some, say something else, as I would never say other things to white people, like I know I'm feeding into them. But like I would talk about the nuances to my fellow women of color because they understand. Yeah. But then maybe I, I think this maybe has changed my opinion in this, in this um, episode. Maybe we should be talking about it with them to give them a more complex picture of our existence and not trying to put forward one particular image. Who knows? I don't know. Let me sit on that one. But, yeah, that's the thing. It's kind of like, and it's it's like a complex. That's why, yeah. As I'm talking, I'm like, it's it's complex because it's like I know why I do what I do, but also like, is it a good thing? But like, I'm also yeah. in this situation. I mean, that's the whole point of this episode. It's a tricky position. Like, it's not a facade that I'm putting forward, but it's more like I am choosing to show a certain side because you already. Have, I almost feels like you already have these ideas. Like, I I'm just reinforcing. What's the point of reinforcing? Why don't I show you something new type thing? But like, yeah. it is it is a really tricky com situation because it's like yeah like the silences and like what what you're omitting and the criticism that you can make it's not it's not an easy topic and like it will weigh on you and which is why we're having this conversation that's mm-hmm. enough said mm-hmm. we've uh, we've uh, showed why this episode is important <laughs> within the episode yeah and i think uh with that note uh we'll go ahead to our bipoc blueprint this one's a fairly simple one and it's essentially just do you talk about the issues in your community talk about you know what you see needs to be changed what you think could be better talk about growth talk about change the only thing i will say is just be aware about who you're talking to and don't be surprised if they use this stuff against you 
there's it's I'm all for, you know, being truthful to yourself and speaking your truth. Be careful where you speak your truth because it can actually end up being a danger or a detriment to you. Western society is a game and you've got to learn how to play the game. You have to learn how to exist within the community if you want to break the rules and break the institution. You can try and exist outside of it, but if you don't have money or you don't have influence, it's going to be very, very hard and you basically can't. Um, it's a privilege to be able to do that and say that. To be like, oh, why can't they just exist outside? Nah, it's not that easy. We still have yeah. to go to work. We still have to do all those other things, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just be careful who you talk to about these things, but still be you and say what you need to say and don't be scared about challenging um, institutions and structures in your community at the ex- because of the fact that someone might misconstrue that. Yeah, just mm. do you. Mm. I would agree. And I think, like, just in, like, a uh, section that just beforehand towards the end, how we're seeing our own complex a relationship with this like I think we've quite just showed how like it is quite like a mind game within your own and like kind of moving around like almost a cognitive dissonance of like I want to say this but I know I'm saying this and like all these things so I think it's kind of like what works with you um and yeah be mindful of who you're speaking with but like don't let uh, yeah I guess like don't let other people's like I always big thing I say is like don't let like white people's judgment impact you <laughs> like I know it sounds so basic but I also feel like there's a lot of judgment on a lot of things in like progressive circles sometimes about certain things and it's like you know the stakes like you know what it means to say choose wisely choose and like i personally i'm like i trust you to do what you works for you so none of this uh, judgment from us so yeah um i think that now is pretty much that pretty much wraps up the bifurc blueprint it was very quick uh so now we head to the nice white accreditation Um, so I think this kind of links quite actually nicely from what I just said, which is uh, white people listen without judgment. <laughs> like it's kind of like, you know, by, by people, it's like, you know, don't let that judgment affect you. White people try to not be judgy and always having your own judgment on what is going on. And uh, yeah, I would say first point, listen without judgment. Yeah, I think that really think about yourself before you start criticizing other people. Like truly think about yourself before you start criticizing other groups of people. Because do you really not do that? Does your community really not do that? Really? Are you sure? Then you can say something. And even then, it might just be you, not the entire community. And if people's experiences are very different, don't. And also, first, biggest biggest thing: stop conflating things. Stop it. Yes. To say someone is doing because of their race is assuming that for some biological reason their melanin is causing a problem. So you're telling me if that's the case, when you go out and tan, you are somehow becoming more of a gross person? Does that make scientific sense to you? All those it does not. Be like, exactly. Oh, no. <laughs> we're making worse people. That's what we're doing. We're making people that are all these horrible, horrible things. It doesn't make any sense. So you can't be saying, oh, this race does blank because you're assuming biologically this is what they do, right? How it works. Not how it works. Not how it works. Now, whiteness is slightly different and i'm going to put that caveat in here because whiteness was constructed by a group of people to make themselves look good and even though they, they biologically were those things yes that is true yeah it's kind of a you started it we're going to end it situation yeah. don't be doing that yeah yeah that would be like the white man is the most <laughs> superior and be exactly and they're like we don't talk about biology anymore well you started it <laughs> You started it. Yeah, um, and then the yeah. second thing on that is like culture. You don't know anything about the culture. So yeah. shut up. Yeah. Shush. And also, if you are like, oh, I don't do this. Why are they being? Mm-mm. If it doesn't apply to you, move on. If it does apply to you, listen and stop doing it. 
Yeah, exactly. I know this is an audio format, but I am pointing fingers at everybody. Gun fingers blazing. Because I feel like there's something about people are like so attacked. But like, it's like, if you don't do this, then you don't need to feel attacked. If you are feeling attacked, then there's a reason why. Um, But yeah, I would definitely echo that. And I also say, also recognizing patriarchy in your own culture. What? This one's something Mm -hmm. we've literally been saying the whole time is like, recognizing that you can have conversations about it, but not linking it to the race and conflating it with the race and actually recognizing that it's because of patriarchy, it's because of toxic masculinity. And that's really important to understand how patriarchy manifests in different cultures and you know, create that unity. And so I think like when you have those conversations, yet yeah, listen without judgment and also recognize that like, it's not just an other thing. It's not just a foreign thing. It's not just an other culture. It's like, well, you too, look at your own politics, look at your own statistics about like, um, domestic violence and abuse and et cetera. Like it's, it's so evident. Like it's all there. The stats is all there for you. Check out ABS. If you are in Australia, like it's all there for you. And I think when you are having conversations with people and are people, you know, if they're trusting you to have it, or if you come across information about this, listen without that judgment, don't use it to fuel your own racism. That is so crappy, that, <laughs> which is such an understatement, but it is very crappy to do that. And yeah, don't um, recognize that Patriarchy is also in your culture because we live in a patriarchal world. And if we united together, instead of breaking us all apart, we could have a different world. We really could. A nice one. A nice, nice, cute little world. A cute one. But now we're ending on a hopeful note. We can be united. And so with that, uh, that wraps up our conversation for today. Thanks again for listening. And remember, no more wahala. Inshallah.